Hello, 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 my beautiful, powerful listeners. Are you ready for another episode of the Powerful Inc. Startup Stories? Well, you're going to want to listen to this one because Stephanie and I have already been chatting and it is fire and I cannot wait to take you into her world and to share this incredible conversation that we're having. So Stephanie McPhail is the uh, CEO and founder of Being Loved Shouldn't Hurt, leaving a toxic relationship. And based on her own life experience and her own healing journey, she is a product of her work. And she, as a result of this, has created a life that like, she couldn't even have dreamed of or even at one point thought possible for herself. So when we talk about setting ourselves free, sometimes there's um, you know, big examples of it. And sometimes there's small, smaller examples. And so in, in today's chat, we just want to walk you through part and parcel of her leaving an 18 year career as a teacher to start a business <laughs> and then meeting the man of her dreams and bringing him into the business. And now in a um, fairly sustainable revenue, but still looking to fine tune and improve business processes. So, you know, we often are the idea and the sales, but businesses become like children, their own creation that require management. So there's just so much to talk about based on the work that she does, as well as her business journey. And I'm excited to take us on that journey. Welcome, Stephanie, to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to share my journey with with listeners and hopefully inspire those who need some inspiration. Absolutely. Well, already in chatting with you, there's no doubt that that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super. So why don't you tell us a bit about, um, you know, the the how the concept came to be and then what was it like to actually give it space to become a business? Well, that's a, that's a really great question. So, you know, I think I, I remember when I was like 17 years old and I was watching Wayne Dyer speak on PBS and I told my parents, I was like, this guy, this guy's amazing. Like he's such a great speaker. And I said, I want to be a public speaker. And they were like, so that means you want to be a teacher. And I'm like, no, I want to be a public speaker. And so, you know, flash forward, I became a teacher. I taught for 18 years. And in that time, I was I was part of a domestic violence um, situation. I was in and out of unhealthy relationships. And my my worst one being my my last one, which was my first husband, um, who chased me around on our wedding night and mm -hmm. calling me names, threatening me, telling me it was the worst mistake he had ever made uh, by marrying me. And he ended up throwing me on the bed and strangling me until I thought I was going to lose consciousness. Wow. And I remember looking at him and thinking, oh my gosh, the man that I married mm -hmm. is going to be the man that kills me. Mm -hmm. And luckily the darkness that was in his eyes left and he stepped away I curled up in a ball. I started crying and I thought, I can't be married to this man, but I also can't tell anyone uh -huh. that I just got strangled on my wedding night. I was so mortified. My mom's from France. I had family from all over Europe that had come. Mm -hmm. All these people that I didn't want to let down, my minister that I'd grown up with, mm -hmm. all of these people had, had been there. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And of course, he promised it would never happen again. And it was uh -huh. just so stressful and all of those things. And I wanted to believe him. And sure. of course, yeah. that's, you know, once you've yeah. crossed that line, I knew it intellectually, I knew yeah. it. But once you cross that line, there's really no going back. And so I, I, for the next five years, he strangled me again. He would spit on me. He'd lose his temper, throw things around the house. He'd wake me up in the middle of the night. 
um, constantly belittling me, you know, degrading me, telling me that I had, you know, people didn't want to hear what I had to say because I was an extrovert. But, I, you know, I became more and more mm. or less and less of an extrovert. As yeah, time. he was caging you up and yeah. like killing your spirit. And he would go out and he'd be like, shut up. People don't want to hear you. And I'd be like, so I'd be like, oh, nobody wants to hear me. Like the person that I love is telling me uh-huh. that nobody wants to talk to me and nobody wants to hear me. But I'm not and, good. Yeah. yeah. And you and you want to believe the person that you're like, this is the person that's supposed to be your best friend. So like, why would he not tell me that like, if I'm doing something wrong, I would want to know. Mm-hmm. And so I really just started to get more and more introverted and felt less and less connected to other people. And I really just wasn't sharing at that's all to the extent of what I was going through. Yeah. Um, I would throw him out, let him back in. And then one day um, I had decided I was working a second job. I had let him quit his job mm-hmm. so that I I could work for the, the family household. It, you know, luckily we didn't have any kids. Um, but I said, well, you'll go back to school. Cause he said like, that's one of the reasons why he was so stressed out is because uh-huh. of work. Sure. And I said, even then, you know, I was a mm-hmm. teacher, so I was used to inspiring other people. So I said, go for it, quit your job. I will mm-hmm. take care of the household expenses. Fine. And I'll work, you know, other jobs along the way. He quit his job. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, and in text message, he said, I quit my job. And I said, mm-hmm. okay. And he had not given me money. I said, listen, sweetheart, please go back and get your job. And he said, just like typical cunt bitch, Stephanie, not mm-hmm. to support her husband. And I said, I looked at that mm-hmm. and I said, I am not doing this anymore. And that was right around Cinco de Mayo. So that's coming up soon. Yeah. Um, and it was Cinco, like 10 years ago, Okay, and 11 years ago. Um, and I, from there on out, I actually thought that I could figure it out. So I was like, I'm, I have a background in psychology. I have all mm-hmm. this you know, background. I, and I tried to figure it out. Things got worse. And mm-hmm. I finally was like, you know what? I ended up in the hospital with a sprained ankle. I had this voice that said to me, you need to be your own knight in shining armor, yep. but you need to get support. Yep. And in that moment, I realized I needed to do the work. I needed to do everything that I had to do to stop ending up with people that were toxic to me. And in that work, in that time of getting to know me, I realized that I needed to create a business. I needed to help other women realize, because as I started to heal, all of a sudden I started to have this light that was inside of me that I didn't even know was there. And it was like, it was like someone had taken off these gray glasses and suddenly Mm -hmm. it was bright and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was stuck in this in so long in survival Mm -hmm. mode. I didn't even realize how bad things had gotten. Mm -hmm. Look at how much better the world is. I got to tell people. Mm -hmm. And so back to like going back to talking about Wayne Dyer in the Mm -hmm. beginning, I realized like, hey, the universe gives us what we want, even when we're like, not real. I would have never asked for it that way. I is good. Doesn't feel good. Why would you give it to me this way? Thank you. Well, if you had listened, Stephanie, you went up the scale. You were like, oh, this is mildly abusive. Oh, I'm going to go. How, what else? What's the next level? What's the next level? I couldn't right, the I same lesson learn. until you learn it, but now exactly. the gift. And so you turned it into a gift through your hardship, which, you know, there's, there's a uh, quote ad nauseum, but what we go through is, is sometimes so that we can share it with others. We are like, you know, the chosen one is very, woo, but we are able to handle that so that we can give safety to others and lead the way. And then it's all reciprocal because you found support then that started your journey. 
Yeah. It gives it meaning. I think, you know, when I, when I realized again, like, okay, I went through this and there is a reason for this. And and Mm -hmm. I, you know, sometimes it's like, why would, why would there be a reason for some of the horrible things that go on in life? But I, I truly believe, I mean, the first time that I got on a podcast and shared my story with like, uh, you know, just like a sinking feeling in my stomach and like, oh my gosh, what if my ex hears this and what are people going to say? And, you know, what's going to happen? And I, I so remember afterwards, the amount of people that I knew mm-hmm. that reached out to me and said, excuse me, number one, I didn't know that you were going through that. Mm-hmm. Number two, I went through something similar or I went through something traumatic here's my story. And it suddenly, and they, and all of them said, I've never shared this with anyone before. So now yes. all of a sudden people that yeah. I knew yeah. were, I was, I had opened up space to let yeah. them share a part of themselves they had never shared before. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. if this is happening to people that I know, imagine what can mm-hmm. happen to people with people that I don't know, or like the bigger ripple effect of other people hearing this story and realizing that they're not alone giving permission as part of your healing mm-hmm. and, you know, now putting that out into the world for, for people to respond and realize that everybody's going through, well, not everybody, but like we're going through similar things, but we don't know that if we don't say anything about it. So you gave voice and you gave power back mm-hmm. to people yeah. And I think, you know, we, we were talking about this before we we went on, but, you know, when I was going through the abuse, I, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I would have called it abuse when I was mm-hmm. in the relationship, even though, you know, I was strangled, you know, when I went for an order of protection and I went, I spoke to the domestic violence shelter mm-hmm. um, as suggested by, I think my lawyer or somebody. And they said, you know, they're like, all right, tell us some of the things that happened. And I was like, well, I was woken up in the middle of the night for special occasions. Um, he called the police on me while I was sleeping. Like he strangled me several times. Like I started going through the list. Yeah. And I'm, but I'm just like saying it, like, like it's just celery, salad, bread, butter. Exactly. (laughs) And the look, I will like the look of the person who was helping me write the order protection. She just stopped and her mouth was like a gape. And she said, he strangled you. And I was like, yeah, she's like multiple times. Like that's Tuesdays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And being called names and like all those things were just like normal. That was just in my survival mode. And she's like, you realize how quickly he could have killed you more than a broken bone or a bruise or anything like that. And and I think it was the first time that I I finally realized how bad things really were. Mm -hmm. But I think that when when you're in it, you don't realize it, number one. But number two, because we're so used to hearing domestic violence be broken bones and bruising and like all these these really big horrible things when we're going through things that are abusive we compare it to that and we're like it's not so bad it's not as bad as that other person or i can't be the one who's being abused Mm -hmm. that's that happens to somebody else Mm -hmm. i'm the one who takes care of everybody so i'm Mm going to make sure that i keep my garden looking nice even though there's weeds you know, all under the surface waiting to come out. And I was just trying to like put out fires and survive and pretend like everything was okay. Because I really, I I was comparing myself to other people's pain and feeling like I didn't really have much, mine wasn't as bad. So I shouldn't be complaining about it. And that is so huge because like, why would we deny ourselves what we're going through 
in comparison to somebody else. We're allowed to have our pain, even if it's not as bad as it could be, because pain is pain regardless. And, you know, if you can just come to resolve with it, name it, deal with it and heal, then that is the whole point, right? So it doesn't have to be some big dramatic thing. And so, you know, the the scale that you describe to me sounds like, oh my God, and I would old me would like diminish my own story in an unhealthy relationship. Um, But now like that, that was a defining moment for me to say no more of this crap. Like I will not tolerate this. And he never laid hands on me, but he was abusive and manipulative and like controlling and just, you know, kind of wanted to keep me locked up at home Rapunzel style. So um, there's different ways that we experience that. And um it's, it's my divine right, I guess, you know, to have feel the pain that that was and to say it's not okay and leave it because that comes into our worthiness and part of, you know, raising our, our overall well-being on the planet would be for everybody to just step into that worthiness and say it's not okay to be treated like shit, no matter if it's like bird shit or buffalo shit, period. Well, you're, and I think, and you know, I can only speak from a female perspective, but I I have seen or I have felt that women were supposed to look pretty mm-hmm. and act a certain way and be a certain way. And if we're not that certain way, then we are bitchy or we're too opinionated or we're mm-hmm. too, you know, we're, we're given all these horrible names if we don't fit the standard of what, you know, society says we're supposed to be. So you know, most of us, we, we learn not to bother. We don't want to bother right. other people. We don't or want to burden people. Or yeah. Be, be troublesome. And like and speak I, up too much. Well, and I was, and I really, you know, I'm thinking as we're saying this, that I remember even thinking like, well, what if I'm making a bigger deal of this? And it actually right. is like second guessing myself, like, right. yeah, getting spit on the middle of the night. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Yeah. You know, like, but but again, it was like it, this, this part of me that number one was like, this can't be happening. Number one, number two, you know, I, maybe I'm doing something wrong to make this happen. What if right. I'm, you know, what if this is something that really does I go am on? bad. I yes. do deserve this. I do deserve this. Yeah. But even like, he would say to me, like, you don't know what happens in other people's relationships. And like, no, I, I don't. And, mm-hmm. but, and I remember saying to him, but there has to be, you have to be able to talk better to each other. And he was like, nah, you believe that everything is unicorn and lollipops. Mm. And I was like, no, but I, I just, I'd like to believe that people can speak more, you know, more nicely to each other. And he would just, you know, and, but again, you start, you question everything because they make you yeah. unsure. Second guess yourself. Yeah. Gaslighting, right. Yeah. Manipulation. Yeah. Narcissism, all of those things. Right. And it is hard to wake up from that dream because um, <laughs> they're, I don't know, you are, you are the good one. So you want to trust and you want to give and you want to be committed and you want to be in it. Um, so yeah, it, it's di- disillusioning for sure. But what's um, comes to me too, from what you just said about, you know, what's expected of women, it's, I, I'm going like, oh, this is so interesting because in ancient, ancient times, women were revered in goddess form. Right. And we're all mighty and powerful and um, held special gifts and talents and were admired and worshipped. 
And there's been a huge disconnect over time from that, even from ancient ritual practices, which, and I don't know, they just anchor us into um, more than ourselves. So we've become a very individualized society, right? A very selfish and self-based society. So uh, when you take steps like what you're doing to get free and then to help others get free, we can bring some of that energy back and and some of that um, rebalancing back into the world. I, I, it's funny that you gave that example because my, my first husband really put me, I was on a pedestal. And so, you know, I had to have, you know, when, when we got together and I had like a great body, I was, had a great job. I was making great money. I was very successful. I was doing a lot of great things. And he, and in fact, he told me you were out of my range. I didn't even think it would be possible for someone like you to date me. Well, that says that should have told me a lot, but whatever. So, you know, but the, the interesting thing is that with narcissists and potential um, borderline personality disorder, socio, you know, being a sociopath, any of those three mm-hmm. and three together mm-hmm. um, makes it extra because mm-hmm. my, my friend does. Like, they're, they're tough. But instead of, instead of being like, wow, I'm, that's great that I have this amazing woman. It -hmm. was like, once Mm -hmm. we got married, it was, Mm -hmm. why aren't you home cooking me dinner? Why aren't you doing these things? Like making me like the man of the house, which was not that before we got married. I mean, there were plenty of red flags that I ignored, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was almost like, instead of him saying, I'm going to level up and be a better version of myself to yeah, meet you with you. Meet it you was yeah. let me bring you down yeah. to my level to make you feel worse than me. So it was almost like a thing for him to do everything in his power to bring me down, which he was becoming successful at, you right. know. And so mm-hmm. over time, excuse me, over time, that wearing down, and you know, and I never thought I was better than anybody. I didn't think that he was yeah. the one when he would have moments of clarity that would tell me, like you, you were you know, you were this great, wonderful woman. And, you know, he just, his, his own insecurities were trying to bring me down and make me feel bad. Yeah. Of course the crab in the bucket. So if you don't, yeah. Okay. So, you know, that story and listeners, if you don't know that story, go and Google it. It's, it's very applicable in the business context where you've got you and you've, you've been listening to my show. (laughs) You'll have heard me reference it before. So just go Google it and check it out and be aware because people will do that because they feel less good about themselves and don't want to take the steps that it takes to grow and will take it out on you. Mm-hmm. And that that's like blocking the sun. And yeah. that's just not okay. So now you have released out of all of that. Let's talk about that healing journey. And then seeing as we're so in this content, let's stay in it because it's juicy. Um, uh, so let's talk about the coming out of it, the growing the business, and then the bringing in of, um, your husband, David. So I, so I here they're going back to being in the emergency room and kind of funny. Yes. So when I had my aha epiphany moment, my ex-husband was in the room with me, which made it almost like, I literally started laugh crying, like, yeah thing. So I started doing and and literally, and the reason why, because I was a teacher and on record, there was my ex-husband's name as my point of contact. So they automatically, when I sprained my ankle, 
And they said I had to go to the emergency room. They called him. And so I walk in and I'm like, oh God, he's here. There's the doctor there telling me it's severely sprained or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I have to, I have to do this differently because Mm -hmm. in the past I have a degree in psychology. I'm a certified crisis counselor. I have all of this knowledge that I had used to help other people that mm-hmm. I had not been using. Blind to yourself, myself. of course. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you can't see it. Yeah, you know, I would say you can't read the label from inside the bottle. I couldn't yeah. tell what I was doing wrong. I mean, I'll take that back. I I knew intellectually some of the things. I just didn't know how to make anything different because that's how I had always, that's how life had been for me. So, but in that moment, I realized, okay, what can I do that's different? So I got a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I started going to, because I also realized I needed to create my business. So I got a coach. And at that time I didn't really know of any like relationship or, you know, toxic relationship mm-hmm. coaches. Um, I had a business coach okay, and the business coach was basically, I would just check in with her once a week. So I, I really started creating a team of people mm-hmm. to make sure that I was around people that were going to help me get out of this hole that I had dug myself in. And one of them was also making sure like in, in that team was being around positive people. Yeah. So when I started to do the work, I started to realize, wow, most of my friends are in really crappy relationships. Right. Mine on the outside seemed better than some of theirs mm-hmm. when really probably mine was worse, but I was comparing myself to what I was seeing from theirs. And I was like, Oh, theirs is a total mess because they were being more in your face with how messed up their relationships were. They so didn't I, care if they were in public or at home. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. were just like me to each other vocal. everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Where for me, it was like behind closed doors was different. Yeah. And, yeah. and it started to, at that point, at the end, it started to seep out into yeah. the rest of the world too. Yeah, sure. But I just said, I I have to stay away from those people. And I need to be around people that I feel good with, Mm -hmm. that I'm seeing good relationships that I feel good with. So I I really thinned the herd of people that Mm -hmm. I, I hung out with. And, you know, I, I really started to, to look for who I was. And that's one of the things like when I work with clients, I, we, we do a whole, so we come from a really holistic perspective because that's what I use. I mean, I use, I share with my clients what I use, what was effective for me. And, you know, making sure that you have that team, figuring out how you got here. Mm-hmm. Like, why did I end up in 18 plus years of toxic relationships? Yeah. Well, because of my upbringing, because of what I experienced, what I saw that's, you know, and when I wrote my book, Being Loved Shouldn't Hurt, mm-hmm. the, the feeling that I had during my healing process was that, that another aha moment of, wow, love to me had always felt, I associated subconsciously love with stress, discomfort, fighting for anxiety, all of these things. So when I felt those things, that was part of what love was because mm-hmm. that was my natural go-to. Mm-hmm. When I started to do the work, and I remember specifically being with some friends when I, and I told, and I remember saying that she's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I get it. She was like, are you okay? What do you, what do you get? I was like, I finally get what love is. And she, you know, I'm like 35, 36 years old. And she's like, okay. And I was like, no, I, I've never understood until this moment mm-hmm. that love is comfort, is inspiration, is, is calm, is mm-hmm. safe. I mean, all of those words I had never associated with love before. So I had to find like change what home felt like to me, what love felt like to me. And so that was another piece, which is something that, you know, we want to make sure that our clients start to learn that to go subconsciously and figure out what that, what is love to you? Because Mm -hmm. if you grew up with love being uncomfortable, you're going to search out love that's uncomfortable. And that's going to be, you're going to be like, oh, found the great guy. 
and you're going to end up in the same type of toxic. Well, you're going to think you did. So this speaks to the example of um, those drawings that have two images and depending on your perspective, Mm -hmm. you see one or the other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we take that deeper into the context, um, even though it might look like this, it's, it's not actually what's serving you and you do need to shift that. And what is an easy way to get out of your own way is to have other people come in and take a look, trusted people um, that have your best interest in mind to help you remove that fog and plant new seeds. Right. And I love that example that you just gave, because it's before I did the work, what was attractive to me mm-hmm. would not be attractive now. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> and never forget it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. I, look at, I mean, I know, I, it's like, how was I even that? How, it's like, I was, I don't know, like a frog and now I'm a, a human. Yeah. Like I just, yeah. how was that even? Why was I so greater? blinded and fighting yeah. so hard for this relationship for that? Like I seriously, I've seen, yeah. seen like exes, and I'm like, wow, what was I thinking? I'm sure people that are listening have had that experience too, where they're like, whoa, that was, and I fought for that. I fought really hard to keep that. Oh. One of the beautiful things in that is um, it's a very tangible way to appreciate the growth that we go through, mm-hmm. right? So like um, painting a room is an instant gratification, a, a refresh, a change. Weight loss takes time, but when you lose, you know, 25 pounds, say, it's very satisfying. But personal growth shows up in the way that the universe starts responding to you. And that can be less tangible, particularly as formed adults who, you know, we've come with years of pre-program or like automatic programming in a way, picking up everything along the way. And, and now recognizing that, um, contrast is like oh man yes like this is this feels good and I want more and then you can you know continue to find ways to expand in in this new self Mm -hmm. once you it it starts to like double and triple the work that you put in Mm -hmm. so you know when you first start out trying to work on yourself and it feels so weird because Mm -hmm. it's not what you normally do yeah so whether it's, you know, whether it's um, self-development, whether it's, you know, creating your business, like whatever mm-hmm. it is, it's not, it's out of your comfort zone because that's not what you've done before. Mm-hmm. So when you start doing it, you're like, this all feels weird because naturally you want to do something that's the opposite of that. But that's what got you into the same exact patterns that you've been in, yeah. that you're not trying to follow again. So you, yeah. you kind of have to fight your brain a little bit when you first start. But then yeah. once that becomes now a new habit mm-hmm. and it becomes part of who you are and what you do, now all of a sudden, now you, you're like, okay, cross that. Now I'm on to here. Now what's the next thing that I need to overcome and learn and grow? And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, whoa, even the, like, the, you know, they always say with a pilot, one degree difference can change mm-hmm. the whole direction of the airplane. Mm-hmm. Well, same mm-hmm. thing for us. That little yeah. bit of change that's daily happening to you as you are committed to your growth, all of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, I am so far from where mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, let's you go there. tell me. us, and like, I want to hear about what it was like to date in between the healing and up to meeting David too. Cause I think there's a lot of tangible 
you know, context to what we're talking about right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I'll just say, so if you would have told me 15 years ago mm-hmm. that I would be helping women heal from toxic relationships, mm-hmm. I would have been like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what are you doing? But yeah. So, I mean, the, the big difference, I think that after, after I really committed to really finding myself and creating my team and going on adventures and doing all of the things, mm-hmm. I really got to a point where when I first ended the relationship, I thought, I am afraid of being alone. I was afraid, you know, I was 34 years old. I wanted to have a family. Mm -hmm. Um, There were things that I wanted. And I was so afraid of like, I'm this, you know, this woman that's in her mid thirties and everybody's married and having kids and and all that. And I was feeling very much like I was separated from everybody. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't feel very good at first, you know, And then as I started to do the work, I was like, I got to a point where I said, I actually am so free that I am okay if I end up, and I grieved a little bit, but I'm I'm okay if I don't have children. I'm okay if I don't get married. Like maybe that's just not going to happen for me. So what am I going to do instead? So I really started to really focus on things like creating my business, of traveling, of, of really creating a life that I was so excited to wake yeah. up to every day yes. that I was, that I really was okay. I had a great group That's of right. friends. I did great things. I could just go places, mm-hmm. you know, without having to talk to anybody about it. I, mm-hmm. I would have a great mm-hmm. time every weekend. I never, ever, ever felt lonely. Mm-hmm. And because of that, when I started to go through the dating, I was like, you know what? I'll date for fun. I call it, you know, when I tell clients, I call it dating for educational purposes only. <laughs> or testing, <laughs> testing yourself and your boundaries. It was, it was not only, it wasn't even that. It was like, what do I like? What do okay. I want okay. in a relationship? Right. So it's purely, it's like, let me go take notes. All right. This is what I liked about this guy. Blah, blah, uh-huh. blah, blah. I didn't like this. Okay, uh-huh. cool. Next. And just like go on a whole bunch of dates. And so I, I really did that, but it was because I went in with, I'm okay with never getting into a relationship again. Mm-hmm. I went in purely to learn. So like, you know, the, the people that came on too strong, the people that were too pushy, the people mm-hmm. that told me too much too soon, which mm-hmm. I, we could have do a whole podcast just on those <laughs> weird dates, I'm sure. But, you know, all of that. And I re- realized like, what is, what is it that I would want if I was going to get into another relationship? Mm-hmm. And so I had kind of created this list of like, this would be like my guy, this would be my ideal person of what I'm looking for. And actually I met a few good guys on the way, yeah. but they weren't who I was looking for. They, there was one in particular that had so much that checked off my list, but he still wasn't where he needed to be. Mm-hmm. He, you know, And I was like, I'm not looking for potential. I'm looking for where someone is. Cause I dated mm-hmm. potential too many times. Now mm-hmm. I, I want to where you are, are you ready to come with me and do all the great things that I'm already doing? Mm -hmm. And so I met this really great guy um, who checked off a lot of things on my list. In fact, pretty much all of them. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, let's, let's, let's go on a date. So like we went, we went on a date because we met online and, and we, like the first time we ever talked, we had a great conversation and I felt a little like excited. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this is weird, but I don't want to, I don't want to overly get excited about it because, but it was the first time in a long time that I'd actually felt excited about a date. We went on the date, we stayed up like all night and we talked and just had a, had a wonderful time. And he pretty quickly was like, Hey, I'm interested in dating you exclusively. And I was like, I, I'm not ready to date you exclusively. I'm dating other people. I'm, you know, I don't know yeah. what I want. He's like, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, 
Uh, but I'm going to tell anybody else that I'm dating that I'm not interested in them anymore, but I'm going to, but you know, if you want to keep dating other people, that's up to you. And I was like, huh, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I want you, even if you don't want me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, He's like, I'm, you know, and I'll wait. He's like, but if you're, if you're just totally not interested, let me know, but just know that I have interest in you. And so I was like, that's just weird that because everybody else would that I ever dated would have been like, You'd better stop because even like the other guys I was seeing were like, you'd better stop dating that other guy if you want to continue with me. And I was like, ah, that feels icky. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. I've already experienced that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this guy that was like just totally letting me be me and supporting it and saying, hey, I just I I just you find you to be fun and interesting. And I I love talking to you and spending time with you. And I'll take I'll take what I can get with you Um, and being so not pushy. Mm -hmm. And finally, it was it was so funny. We had been kind of seeing each other for a few weeks. And I kept trying to break up with him. He would come <laughs> to see me. And yet I, I think to myself, he's just a really good guy. And I just, I'm not sure that I really want that. Um, let me break up with him. And then I'd see his big blue eyes and I'd be like, oh, fine. Okay, I'm going to not break up with him. Because I feel like something really felt wrong if I broke up with him. Uh-huh. And so I kept like, I kept saying, all right, I'll give him, I'll, we'll keep going. We'll see where this happens. And then finally one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to not date anybody else. I'm just going to give you a total, you know, the full chance and see what happens. And the look of like, he had just won the lotto was so cute. He was like, really? You know, like, I was was like, you would be terrible at poker. Like you just were like, here's my hand. Do do you like what I have? And I was like, okay, but it was so sweet and so so genuine and so wonderful. And so we're coming up on eight years of being married in July And we have two beautiful children. We have a seven-year-old and a Mm four-year-old. And the cool thing is that because he was not only who I was looking for as a partner, we also had similar things that we wanted for our future. So, you know, Mm -hmm. having, making sure that you have those same values, the same morals, Mm -hmm. expectations in life and, and things like that. One of the things that we connected on was we both wanted to go into business mm-hmm. and he was a Reiki master teacher. He did something oh, called wow. Psych K, which is uh, something we use with clients now, which is for yes. subconscious belief work. Um, and he like all these other things. And I'm like, these are, he's got some good things that could help me mm-hmm. if we were going to create a business. And so we both had that mentality of, of business mm-hmm. type of stuff. And so we actually now have been running our business full-time together mm-hmm. for the past three years. So we were, mm-hmm. we've been married for almost eight, but we've been working together exclusively for the past three years. And I, I couldn't imagine a better partner um, in my business, along with being my best friend, you know, in regular life as well, mm-hmm. to really share this, this sometimes crazy journey with. It is a crazy journey, right? Because each month is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And as the business grows, you have to grow to keep up with where it's at. So, you know, my um, analogy to that is as our children's change, so does our parenting. So Mm -hmm. we have to meet them where they are. And a business is its own entity. And, um, you know, you got to keep feeding it and fine tuning yourself along the way as well because there's times where you're like we got this like we've had months where we're like yeah like we we got this this is Mm -hmm. this is no big deal at all and then there's other months where you're like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. what what are we doing wrong what's happening and like but we just it was great before what's what's going on so there Mm -hmm. definitely is that that ebb and flow that could be could be stressful you know Mm -hmm. but but again I think that when you have you know, we're best friends in and out of the relationship, you know, whether it's business or in our relationship. I mean, it's still, 
we deal with the stress and communicate it together. So even when, like, I know that he'll be a little bit more focused on, on doing work and, and not want to do as much family stuff when things are not going right. as well on the business. So I, I see him like dial in and mm-hmm. I have to, and I know that, like, I can tell, like he doesn't, he wants to be just focused on what he's doing where I, I, when things start to not go as well, I like need a break. I'm like, I need to just remove myself, mm-hmm. you know? But knowing your partner so well and knowing how each of you deals differently with stress or how each one of you deals when things aren't going perfectly or and also being excited to be able to share when things are going yes. well yeah. is to be able to be able to have that partnership together and know each other that way. Yeah, it's um, I was trying to think of because uh, <laughs> I love coming up with words. It's like spousalpreneur. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So uh, I'm all about smashing the word solopreneur because whether you are your own CEO growing your business or not, you don't have to do it alone. Um, and, you know, working in the, in this dream team couple situation can be super, super fun. And it can bring the relationship even closer because, um, you know, entrepreneurship, like you say, the roller coaster could be stressful, a lot more stressful on your own. But if you have somebody to weather the storm with and to get you out of your own head and uh, cast another line forward, then you can continue to feel supported as you deal with the issues and and fine tune the business and keep going. So um, how big is the team now in your business? Um, It's still still just us. We've had setters. (laughs) had other people on the team before. Okay. Um, we, we do have it just him and I, uh, sometimes we outsource things depending on like cool. what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that one of the things that's really great also about having, you know, the, the couple and having shared the shared workload is that we, everyone has different talents. Everyone mm-hmm. has things that they're better at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm pretty much as, as much as he still works with clients I'm really the the face of the business because we do work with women who have been who are professional women who have been in toxic relationships. So that's that's really who we focus on. So, you know, most of the the podcasts and the speaking engagements and things like that is me. You know, I've written two books and mm-hmm. um, I've been on the news and like mm-hmm. New York Weekly and all these really cool yeah. things. And those yeah. are those are my things. He is so like I'm the CEO. He's the COO. Like so, he mm-hmm. does all like the back end stuff. He is mm-hmm. very good. He's an, a great writer. So like I can write some stuff and then he makes it look beautiful, you yeah. know, where I would have had to get in, like pay someone to be an editor. Like when I first started the business and he was not in the business yet, I was paying someone to edit or mm-hmm. I was paying someone to do the graphics or to do mm-hmm. my website or things like that. He can do all of those things. So I think there's, you know, and even when we work with clients, I always kind of say like, I'm the more grounded one where I am, you know, we're both from New York, which is funny, but I'm much more like to the point direct, let's talk about the problem that you're going through. I also have the experience of being in a toxic relationship. So I understand where people are coming from. Cut the flash laid on me. Yeah. And he's more of a spiritual one. So like I keep him grounded. If he's, he's the one that would be up in the ether somewhere flying Mm -hmm. off, Mm -hmm. I keep Mm -hmm. him grounded. But because we both have these different abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, he helps me see a little bit more of my spiritual side and I help him stay a little bit more grounded mm-hmm. when it comes to clients. So we also have different perspectives where when clients work with us, they're getting the grounded and the spiritual one. They're getting a male and a female yeah. perspective. They're getting yeah. that difference um, that really helps because sometimes people, they just love him, you mm-hmm. know, and they're like, yeah, yeah, Stephanie, whatever. But what's, what does David have to say? 
you know, and then sometimes it's the other way around, like, yeah, David, stop talking. Stephanie, what are you, you know, so it's, it really is interesting to have those two different perspectives to really give a more holistic, you know, support to clients and for your business as well. And to be a true as true can be example of where the healing can go. And yeah. that, you know, you're not just talking shit, like you are living and breathing through your journey, mm-hmm. gives you credibility and gives tangible evidence to those women who are just starting to see, you know, the possibility and the alternative reality that could be there if they so choose and trust in themselves mm-hmm. to start that process. And so that is extremely, extremely powerful. And, you know, I would even go so far to say that um, experiencing David through the business can help heal and rebuild trust in men for them too, to see that it's not just one way and that there are good guys out there and you can have one too. It's true. And that's, you know, and I, I have, we joke around because, you know, the, we'll have clients that say, I want my David. And, yeah. you know, so, and, and so David will joke around about like, see, you know, they, they want their David. I'm like, well, they can't have <laughs> you, they have to have a version of you. But, you know, I think it's also, he's also, David, my husband is very, um, he is very spiritual. He is mm-hmm. very much heart centered. He mm-hmm. is very much, he leads from, from such a a place that's very different from what a lot of other men mm-hmm. are like, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for, for women to see this man that, that yeah. comes across more like he listens and he's more soft when he, his approach with things, um, you know, when women have only experienced aggressive, yeah. you know, that toxic masculinity that's there, mm-hmm. it's such a breath of fresh air to yeah. see that that's, Oh, that's possible. There's like so unicorns many- are real. Well, I'm looking <laughs> at one. No way. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. This has been quite a conversation. And like, I feel like we just, I could talk to you for weeks because there's so, there's so many different streams of discussion in what we've talked about. And um, I hope that the listeners, like you can hear in between the lines of all these parallels of Stephanie's journey and how, you know, it, it, impacts your your business and your development and your worthiness and I'll break some of that out when I do my marketing for this but um Stephanie I'm so glad that we did have this time to sit down and to get into this stuff um it was very activating for me and reminded me of some things that I kind of put on a shelf and put away like you know of, of what I've overcome in life and yet it's not maybe it's not a Hollywood blockbuster but I, I deserve my own credit for where I've come from. And, and, you know, I'm, I feel like in this conversation, people will take, um, take that in for themselves too, and really appreciate what, what has happened to get to this point, the work that's gone in. I hope so. I mean, that, that really is my, my hope for anyone who's listening is no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you've overcome, anything is possible for you you know, you, and you can take that. I mean, we've all, you get to a point in life, you know, we've all experienced some kind of trauma. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just part of being alive. Mm -hmm. And so if you can take that, whatever you've experienced before and, and use that as fuel to make those changes and really create something different and to look back and be like, damn, I I'm badass. Like, look at, look at what I'm doing now. And just remind yourself of the possibilities. It, It is possible for you to create 
whatever it is that you want for your life. So to remind yourself that you are the creator of your life. You know, you don't have to let your past define who you are now. That's right. Beautiful. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This has been just so energizing. Thank you. Thank you for everybody for listening and tuning in. And if I can be of service to anyone, you know, feel, feel free to reach out. My, I mean, my goal to really be able to help people and, you know, we, we help men and women, but we really do. My, my passion really is focusing on women because I, I really, I understand that all of those fears that come along with admitting we need help admitting that we don't know all the answers, admitting that we're not where we want to be in our lives and saying, Hey, I, I need something to change because I know that there's more for me out there. I just don't know how to create it. Absolutely.